some gyms and fitness centers, they are not designed to be a fitness center. They were a different uh, store, a different, um, they made a different uh, use of the space and then they convert a space to a fitness center. But they don't uh, think, they don't design the air conditioning system to the number of people that are inside and to the activity that will be developed inside because it's very different when you have a room for an office and you have 20 people inside that, that room. But they are seeds. They don't do nothing. Their metabolic rate is very low. But if you put that same 20 people making an indoor cycling class, their metabolic rate is very high. So the, the CO2 will raise and other pollutants may accumulate. So the ventilation rates are very important to, to have a good indoor air quality in the fitness centers. Olá, o meu nome é Carla Ramos e estou a, a falar para o Indoor Cycling Instructor Podcast. This is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. I'm John McGowan, your host, and you can reach me, John, at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. So, how is the air quality in your club or studio? It's something that I've become concerned about because with a focus on improving the health and wellness of our participants, I'm beginning to see that the air that we're all breathing in very large quantities, I might add, may not be as good as we're really hoping for. I was doing some research online and came upon a study that was actually done in Lisbon, Portugal of 11 fitness studios where the research team conducted surveys of the air quality looking at indoor air pollutants and then published it. Seeing this as the Indoor Cycle Instructor podcast, I reached out to the team and Carla Ramos has agreed to be on the podcast with me. Carla is a PhD student at the University of Lisbon on environmental sciences, and her bio states that she's focused on the impact of the exposure to indoor air pollutants during physical activity. The main goal of her research is to develop guidelines about urban planning and building maintenance, and then propose it to local authorities in order to improve the benefits of physical activity in indoor and outdoor environments. And she's joining me now via the wonders of Skype. Welcome, Carla. Hi, hello. Thank you. Uh, first, I have to congratulate you on your mastery of the English language. I understand that <laughs> Portuguese is your first language. I do have to ask, when you were in grade school, young, mm -hmm. uh, was English something that was taught regularly or is that something that you've picked up later? We learn here in Portugal, we learn English from the fifth grade until the ninth grade. And then we can select if we want to learn French or English. And then I select English in the secondary school, in the, in the high school. You call it high school in the United States. In fact, I was not a very uh, good student in English on that time. I believe that I improved my English when I started my, my PhD uh, because we have to read a lot um, international papers and international 
international reports and everything is in English. And also we have to participate in conferences, write papers, present our work. So we really need to improve and get better skills in the, in the English language. Carla, I, I always like to start interviews with people outside of uh, the fitness instructor uh, management ownership uh, world, uh, with just a brief understanding of you know your experience with fitness. Uh, okay, I'm a, as you said, I'm a Portuguese PhD student. Um, I'm from Delft University, from Netherlands, and I developed my work in IST, which is Institut Superior Technique. I, I have to say these two institutions. Um, regarding practice sports, I really like to practice sports. I attend a fitness center since 2010, and I attend the same gym since that date, so I didn't change the, the place. And I also like to play uh, female football. And I do that with a group of, of girls here. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yes. <laughs> uh, there tends to be something that causes you to develop a research project like this. Can, can you explain, you know, where the initial idea or where a concern or issue that you experienced? Our research team, in our research, the focus, we especially do research on air pollution. This research, the, the, the one that I made, it was submitted to a PhD fellowship in 2011. And on that time, the focus was specially, you know, their quality was specially directed to schools and offices because people spent most of their time working and children spent a lot of time in schools. But then we realized that there are more susceptible people to air pollutants. And those people are the sports practitioners, and they are um, susceptible especially due to three facts. The first one is that we, when we are practicing sports, we breathe more air in each breath. Secondly, uh, we breathe a lot of air through the mouth by passing the normal mechanisms in the upper respiratory system. And the third, the last one, is that the increased airflow will carry the pollutants deeper into the upper respiratory system. With this knowledge, we assess the exposure and the doses to air pollutants in the our environment and also we assess um, the exposure in the outdoor environment. Was this something that you noticed yourself while you were at the fitness center? No, no. Actually, I've, I've never thought about that. I always thought about that was when, I, when I'm um, driving my car in Lisbon and sometimes I saw people uh, running or cycling close to high traffic uh, lanes and I thought oh these people they are running here but there are, there are cars passing right by them and trucks and the pipes are right next close to, to them how can they run here how can they be exposed to this uh, outdoor pollution so I, I always thought on this issue but from on the outdoor air, on the outdoor exposure, not in the indoor. But in fact, that is also important to study the indoor also. How did you begin to craft your research project? Um, me and my, my supervisors, we decided to perform um, the indoor quality access in the gymnasiums following um, the, the protocol that is made to a typical audit to a building. But the difference was that in the typical audit, the measurements take just five minutes in each uh, place, in each point of measurement, but we decided to take a little bit longer measurement. So instead of having five minutes measurements in each space, we decided to measure one hour in each space because with five minutes you cannot see what what's happening. Okay, maybe one person closes to you and then the particles raised 
and it's not in, it's not so relevant the the passage of a person that will give you high levels of particles so you need to measure longer time than only 5 minutes okay and and maybe we should go through and just describe the the different parameters that you tested for and so you can just start with any of them and if you could just give a brief definition of of what each is okay so uh, we measured carbon monoxide carbon monoxide comes uh, from especially from the combustion sources fireplaces in the indoor and exhaustion pipes of the cars in the outdoor Carbon dioxide comes especially um, from uh, from us, from human, from the breathing respiratory system. The ozone in the in the indoors comes from uh, printers. The volatile organic compounds in indoor there are very uh, there are many sources. They came from uh, varnishes, glues, perfumes, cleaning products, uh, uh, things like that. Um, formaldehyde is a t- is one volatile organic compound, but is very specific, and it, it normally it is assessed in separate way from the volatile organic compounds. And then finally, we have particles that normally people call uh, dusts, but they are more than dusts. Um, particles are, are composed by different materials, different um, elements, different chemical composition, and also different sizes. And the different sizes, they give uh, different sources from the sizes. We have the coarse particles, and we have the fine particles, and it um, it can it, it came from a lot of, uh, of sources. They can be from the human presence, they can come from the outdoor air, so it has a lot of uh, of sources. And here, and maybe it's the same there, but here in the United States, if you see a um, something that says capital P, capital M, and then say five or ten or twenty, uh, that's how they typically rate the sizes, and they're in microns, correct? Mm, yes, yes, yes. So it's PM five, PM five, five PM ten, yeah. PM2 normally is, uh, the cores are the two PM10 and the fine are the PM2.5. Could you describe the results in the things that you saw that uh, should be addressed? First, I, I I think that I need to explain how we made the the assessment. So we made the assessment in two steps. So firstly, we assessed eleven uh, fitness centers. The main goal of this step was to get an overview of the indoor air quality situation in fitness centers. Here we access the studios and the bodybuilding rooms for one hour in each space, as I said before. Um, we assess all the parameters, the pollutants that I uh, that I said, and we made this assessment in the late afternoon because it is a time of the day when gyms are more crowded, and with this we can we could study the worst case scenario. Okay. After that, and based on the occupancy and the type of ventilation, we select three from the 11 fitness centers and we access the same spaces, but on this time for two days in each space. So two days in the studios and two days in the bodybuilding rooms, which means that we spent one week in each fitness center since their opening until their closing. And with this methodology, we studied the temporal variations of the pollutants and we could relate them with some events that occurred in the room and identify pollutant sources. We also characterized the bacterial and the fungal contamination in those three fitness centers. So I can say that it was a deeper and a very complete indoor air quality study in those gyms. So regarding the, the results, um, I can explain um, briefly what we found. 
we found very high levels of carbon dioxide, volatile organic compounds, particles, and in general, low ventilation rates. So carbon dioxide is not poisonous at the level that we found, but uh, we found maximum levels of 3,314 ppm, which is high. Yes, it's high. Very high. And well, let, let me interrupt real quick. Indoor air quality in the United States, anyways, for levels for CO2, that we are supposed to not exceed 700 parts per million yeah. over, over the ambient level, which is typically around three to 400 peak perps. And so, mm. so here we draw a threshold at about 1,000 parts per million. And you're saying that you found it up to 3,000. Yes, the Portuguese limit value is 1,250 ppm. So I believe that it's not so, so, so different yeah, very similar. than yours. I think it's similar, correct? Correct, yes. right. And, and understand that you're converting from a metric measurement system. That mm-hmm. I, use, I use a different. So, but, but please keep going. I just want to make sure people understood that because numbers are hard to follow sometimes when you're listening to them. Well, the, um, the question here is that uh, CO2 is a good indicator of the indoor air quality because if CO2 is accumulating inside, then other pollutants may accumulate too. And it means that the ventilation rates, they might be low. So regarding the type of ventilation, it, uh, it is very important to talk about this, um, this issue because it had influence on the result. The fitness center who, had, who used mixed ventilation, so one of the fitness centers studied from the three, one of those used natural and mechanical ventilation. They, they change. Um, and this one, the, you, the, um, use the mixed, use mostly natural ventilation. But natural ventilation doesn't promote any filtration to the outdoor air. And in this one, we found higher concentrations of particles than any other ones who used mechanical ventilation. What you're speaking of is in mechanical ventilation, meaning the normal air conditioning heating system. Yes, I'm talking about, uh, about HVAC system. And then natural is that you've just opened a door. Or yes, you open a window, you open a door. And then one gym used mixed, so they have the air conditioning system, but sometimes they use the, they open the window to not spend so much energy for energy costs for savings. Okay. Mm-hmm. And as I was saying, the mechanical ventilation it can filter particles and also some fungi spores, and it also promotes a better removal and the dilution of the pollutants that are inside. So, the type of ventilation it's it's very important, and also the the ventilation rates that are practiced in the side inside the, the rooms they, it's also very important because, as you said in the beginning of our conversation, some gyms and fitness centers they are not designed to be a fitness center. They were a different uh, store, a different. Um, they made a different uh, use of the space, and then they convert a space to a fitness center. But they don't uh, think they don't design the air conditioning system to the number of people that are inside and to the activity that will be developed inside. Because it's very different when you have a room for an office and you have twenty people inside that, that room. But they are seeds. They don't do nothing. Their metabolic rate is very low. But if you put that same 20 people making an indoor cycling class, their metabolic rate is very high. So the, the CO2 will raise and other pollutants may accumulate. So the ventilation rates are very important to, to have a good indoor air quality in the fitness centers. 
What about the other pollutants that you experienced? Yeah, uh, the volatile organic compounds, as I said, they are released from in the indoor environment from varnishes, glues, cleaning products, perfumes, paints, and we associate these these pollutants to the cleaning to the cleaning procedures. And um, curiosity, in one gym, some volatile organic compound peaks they occurred in the studios when there was a fitness class. And you do you know why? I don't. What would cause that? Because people apply deodorants and perfumes before engaging some fitness class. It's very normal to see these in the in the locker rooms before people go to exercise. They put a little bit of deodorants because they don't want to bad to have to smell bad. You oh, know. I guess I would never have considered that. Yes. Yes, and they apply, and then they go to the room, and we can clearly see that on the the time that there was a fitness class, it was a peak in the volatile organic compounds. Uh, concentration inside the room, so that 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 was one explanation that we found f- to um, to these to these facts. And also, the oldest fitness centers they had lower volatile organic compounds than the newest ones, because the newest gyms they are still emitting this pollutant from the equipment, the floor, and also the walls. The construction materials. Yes, yes, the construction materials. Yeah. Was there any surprises? I mean, that was obviously a surprise that people's deodorant is what's is, is raising the level of. Yes, it was a surprise also. We were also expecting uh, low ventilation rates because, as I said, uh, the gyms are often overcrowded and for the ventilation rooms that they have and for the size of the spaces. But we were not expecting to find so low ventilation rates. I can give you the example that the minimum required for the this type of space by the Portuguese value is um, between uh, 176 and 353 liters per person. That is what is required in the Portuguese legislation. But what we found was levels between 8.9 and 51.5 liters per person. So it was very, very low. We were expecting uh, ventilation rates above of the recommended, but not so low. When you use the term ventilation rate, which are, uh, explain that more is that the difference you're bringing in outdoor air into the studio at that level per participant? Yes, yes. Is the um, the unit is liters per person per second, and this is the um, the international unit. In Portugal, we use a different uh, unit, similar but uh, different cubic okay. meters per, per per person. It's uh, similar. Yeah. Okay. And so, but what you're saying is that it was ten percent of what it should be. Yes, I didn't make that calculation. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just trying to follow your numbers, but it's very low compared to what it should yes, be. Yes, it's very low. We were expecting um, low, but not so low. So it was a, a little bit of surprise. Surprise and cause for concern. Yes, also. We tried to explain these, uh, these findings uh, to, the, to the gym managers, and some of them were very surprised because they, they said, oh, but this is a new air conditioning system. The gym is new. How can this be possible? And I said, well, it is not well designed. Maybe the the constructor doesn't um, make the, the ventilation system according to what it should be. Sometimes they don't know. People believe that they have a very good infrastructure, but sometimes they don't have because just they don't know. Here in the United States, we have a saying, saying that ignorance is bliss. I don't know if, if that if you understand what it means is what you don't know you don't you're not concerned about. Yes. And because there's nothing hanging on the wall that's measuring CO2 for example. 
and so you don't know it, so you just assume it. But um, I know my experience, and I've been in a lot of different studios over the years, that especially near the end of the class, you can be in an incredibly stuffy, sometimes even foul atmosphere. Yeah, and I know. And my concern is, as an instructor is that that level of poor air is a detriment to the participants, the people that are paying to come and take the class. Yes, the, that's the, the stuffiness of the air. And when we see the, the foggy in the, in the windows, in the mirrors, is because that's, um, the moisture and humidity is not being removed from the, the inside, from the indoor air. So it accumulates in the walls and in the, the windows. So that's normal. But what, what might happen is that the ventilation is not working properly. It's not working efficiently, so it's it's that's an indicator that people should be aware and guess and um, question the gym managers about the dead facts and maybe they can do something. And also the um, you said about um, an indicator of CO2 in the walls, like um, I can I don't remember the word. Um, an indicator, something to measure CO2. You talked about that. Correct. Yeah, there there is not one. There may be a the thermostat that shows the temperature and maybe the humidity, but nothing that shows CO2 levels. Uh, yes, but maybe if the, if that exists in the market, I don't know. I was never looking for it. Maybe the gym managers, they could apply it. And if they saw some high levels of CO2, that's an awareness. As I said before, the CO2 is a good indicator of indoor air quality. So if CO2 levels are raising, maybe they should uh, they should uh, careful improve their ventilation rates, open the window, uh, do something to um, to promote um, the decrease of the CO2. I'm aware of fitness studios that are very popular, mm-hmm. and, and they are running classes back-to-back with, say, 10 minutes in between. Yeah, yeah. And so with, and I realize you didn't study it, but is, would it be your impression then that, that, that those um, if they do not have adequate ventilation, that those later classes are starting with a higher level of of indoor pollutants. In in fact, um, when we performed um, the long measurements of two days in each studio, we could see the temporal variation of the pollutants. And what we saw is that immediately when the um, the people getting out of the room and when the door was open, in that, on that uh, interval of 10 minutes between the classes, the concentrations decreased immediately. So people get out, the the door of the room is open, and the concentrations decrease. To, did they decrease to ambient? I, I would realize, obviously, you open the doors and it, they'll decrease, but did they did they fall back to safe level? Some of them, yes. It depends on, on, the, on the fitness center. It depends on the pollutant. But in the case of CO2, it decreases a lot. In the case of um, volatile organic compounds, we found that the, that gym, the, the gym that was with high levels of volatile organic compounds, they were very high in almost all parts of the day. So it was not depending on the occupants. But we believe that it was dependent on the building materials, okay? Because mm-hmm. when people went, went inside the rooms, well, there was a peak due to the deodorants and the perfumes that they applied. But when they get out, it doesn't decrease to the, to the safe level. I'm curious, you know, you were, again, you, were, you relayed these findings to the owners and managers of these studios. Yes. 
did any of them act on them to make corrections? When we assessed the 11 fitness centers in the final, we, we performed the report within our quality values of their, of their fitness centers. And we said what they should do to improve in their quality in, in those fitness centers. Some of them were surprised with the results. If they implement the, the measures, I don't know. I don't know if they did or not, but it was important for, for us to aware people and aware the, the gym managers of this issue and that, that they should um, care about this, this problematic, about the indoor air quality. We don't want to discourage people to practice sports because sports is very important and exercise is very important for, for health. But we want that people engage uh, sports in a safe uh, environment. Okay, so we were happy that the managers was they were aware of the problems. But if they apply the the, the measures, the the preventive and the curative measures, I don't know. But they have no excuse now. Yes, now they know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. All right. What advice, if you're, uh, again, we have a lot of studio owners or managers listening mm -hmm. to this. Uh, based on your study, what would the advice be to a studio? What uh, what would you be recommending that they change or implement? Yeah, to prevent the, the, the to improve the indoor air quality. Well, uh, what we found is that the major contributors to a poor indoor air quality in the fitness center are the human occupancy and the ventilation system. So, first of all, fitness centers, they should have an adequate ventilation system designed for the occupancy of the space. Also, the maintenance of the ventilation system is important and also the location of the indoor intakes. So, we don't want to have a very good uh, ventilation system, but then the intake of the, the new air is placed close to a road. Because it oh, will, <laughs> it will take, the, but, but that, that exists. I found some, some, some cases like that. It, it, that's the reality. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so it's very important to be aware of the location of the air intakes. And with a good ventilation, the, the pollutants concentrations that might exist inside, they are diluted and the moisture is reduced, reducing also the presence of fungi, for instance. And people should also take good behaviors, the practitioners. For instance, they should use specific shoes for indoor physical activity and avoid using them in the outdoor. With this attitude, the amount of dust and the outdoor contamination that comes from outside is reduced. So I would say that these two uh, points, the human occupancy behavior and the ventilation system, are the key points to have um, a good indoor air quality. Got it. And to kind of take it easy on the perfume. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, put, don't put perfume in the beginning, just on the end. Anything else you want to share, Carla? If someone is interested in reading about, in read more about the, the research, I don't know if you can uh, give my research gate link. Oh, I will. Yes, I'll, I'll add it to the just below this, uh, the player on the podcast or on the post of this podcast. There are the more manuscripts and uh, that people can read. To be, to be interested and to get new information. And I think that's all. This is a fascinating topic for me, and I'm planning to uh, expand upon it because, you know, there's a lot of physiological things that occur as CO2 goes up. You know, our, our breathing response is not due to a lack of oxygen, but it's an excess of carbon dioxide. Our brains are triggered by the presence of CO2. Yes, 
not by a, a lack of oxygen. Yes, it has an influence on attention. Uh, yes, I know. That facts are clearly described in schools, in children's attention. With the increase of CO2, they decrease the attention in classes. Well, I'm always interested in what's the performance limitation. You know, I'm all about performance and, you know, so many of our classes have uh, meters on them that indicate how much power you're creating uh-huh. yes. and are we and, and are, are, is poor air quality limiting that yeah you want to know that I, I actually i have a question i saw that you you made a questionnaire about this this topic correct i i did yes and i'm slowly collecting uh responses to it and i'd be happy to share it with you once i see it yeah sometimes it's hard to get people to take surveys but. yeah and you will you release the the results will you publish oh yes absolutely okay i would absolutely. like to see it Oh, I will provide it for you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thanks. I will provide it. Okay. Well, Carla Ramos, again, I want to thank you for your time and the work that you've done. And hopefully this will contribute to uh, improving our fitness studios. Thank you. Thank you, John. I appreciate for your interest in in our work. For us, it's very good to to share our results with with the community. If you'd like to learn more about indoor air quality in fitness studios you can visit indoorcycleinstructor.com forward slash air quality